So it's my pleasure to introduce Joel Pollard, who I've had the privilege of, of seeing Joel uh, embrace, embrace the values of, of this place and, and bring his own special sauce to it and go further than I think I ever imagined anybody would get to go. And I'm looking forward to hearing. Are you looking forward to hearing some stories? From Uganda. Come on up, Joel. We love you. It's good to go. Electronic gadgetry. Is that what you want? That's fine. Okay. So we can get you a thing like a chair? No, that's good. Water, books, Bible, notes. We're good to go. Praise the Lord, everybody. There we go. Well, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. You know, I, I posted on Facebook, uh, I think the day I got back, that as much as I love the nations of going and empowering leaders, out of all the years that I've traveled, there is no place like home. There, there is the... Um, there is a difference when you come back to something, to somebody, to, um, to the promises that, that still remain. And before I get going, I'm going to have my wife come up because I asked her previously and she said yes. <clears throat> so she, she, let's break it down. She leaves, she works four tens. So that's commitment right there, right? She leaves around, what, 5.20, 5.30 in the morning. So I try to get up and cook her breakfast like any reasonable husband would do for his wife, right? So she's reading in the devotion earlier that morning. So at like 5.20 a.m., everybody say a.m., okay, a.m., she gets this download. She's like, I just read this word, and it's powerful. It's out of the passion. It's just beautiful. And I said... This, you have to, you, you have to, that, that's good. I said, we could have church by ourselves. It's all good, right? So I asked her if she would get up and um, give the now word because it's, it's for me. You're going to receive it in your spirit, okay? So just to clarify, it was actually the night before. It wasn't at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I wanted to take over. Um, for those of you that don't know, Joel homeschools our daughters. And so we have these whiteboards in our house. And he writes stuff on it all the time, like things for business or things that encourages him. And he writes out like his lesson plan. And I almost want to erase it all and just write the scripture. But I thought, no, I won't do that to him. I'll just share it with him when he gets up in the morning. So um, I'm going to read to you the New King James Version. And this is the version that... Um, if you know Ephesians 2.10, it's the one that you're used to hearing or something to that sort. But um, I don't know if any of you have re re read the Passion Translation. It's really quite awesome. And just the way that um, they have translated the actual Bible into um, so much more of a loving, passionate language that we can understand. I mean, I like NLT because it's kind of like hip for us now. It doesn't have all the thous and, you know, things that we don't 
reference nowadays, but when I got the Passion Translation, it just blew my mind. So in New King James, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And the way they write it in the Passion Translation, it says, we have become his poetry a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned and advanced our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So I just felt like it was an encouraging word, especially for this time. I know that this week has personally been hard for me. Um, As a feeler, you just feel just the tension um, in the earth with the political spirit that's been going on. And I just was personally struggling with some things myself. And so I was feeling kind of down. And when I read that, I thought, you know what? Even when I feel in my human self the sadness or the disappointment or tension or strife, just to know that, you know, what's my purpose in life? It doesn't matter because God said in his word that, guess what? He's going to do it regardless, regardless of the things that we feel personally on the inside. It doesn't matter. It's because it's his plan and he's going to purpose everything he purposed will come to pass. So thanks. That is a good word right there. Wow. That's God blessed again hearing that. Come on. Wow. Well, before I dive in, we're going to talk about earthquake relief, okay? Now, I snapped about 50 photos, and I took probably the most severe ones. Um, In the front, on the bottom of the screen, is where a house once stood. Now nothing stands there. So that is in the the background, what you called a makeshift-type tent, um, it was warm that day that we went. Uh, the conditions, by our standards, are, I don't even know how you would describe that. Um, so imagine this time over and time over again. Time over and time over again. But because of your generous hearts <clears throat> and your generous giving, I was able to hand Pastor Fred Sachewa $1,000 to help with the earthquake relief for the outreach that they're doing there. And um, he, is it Mizoro? It is a village that sits on the side, literally on the side of a mountain. We had an off-road, like four by four. It was very adventuresome to get to where we wanted to go. And there's this huge church up there that does a lot of outreaches, full gospel church. Got to meet the pastor, yet while half of his building is gone. But... I was able to prophetically encourage his heart that not only is things going to be rebuilt in the natural, but God's about to establishing something in the spiritual over that region. And it was uh, deeply and wholeheartedly received. Um, Let's go to the next one. There once stood a house, and the walls only remain. Um, Time and time again, it was uh, heartache, um, as we went and looked. But something I noticed in the people, you, an earthquake can come and remove everything, but it cannot remove the hope that lies and remains within people. Somebody. Yeah. 
some, the shaking will come, because it will come. It will come, it will shake you to the left, it will shake things to the right. But when we have a hope with a capital H and his name is Jesus, you, that can't be shaken. Somebody. Uh, you'll get that when you get home. That was a good word right there. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going there tonight. Yes, we are. Here goes my favorite Hallmark verse. Touch. For the earth is groaning. Everybody say, for the earth is groaning. For the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. Now, this is something interesting. You know, I get up here many times and I say, we're going to go to the nations and we're going to do these things and the hunger and the thirst and the people want, want what we have. And yet all of that is true. But when we bring it here into our own backyard, when we look at the landscape of the possible trajectory, if you will, what does that look like in my world? What does that look like on a Monday afternoon when I might get confused and not pretty sure if I'm seeing the Lord take me to experience the goodness in the land of the living, like I read in the Bible. What does that look like? And so when we read what Paul is uh, declaring here, for the earth is. Because the earth, even in the physical sense, but more in the spiritual sense, it is crying out. And then here goes the answer. I love this part. The manifestations will come. And it's not going to come. He could, God could have chosen anything or anybody, but he chose family to do it through. He, he, he chose to do it through a thing called covenant, called family connection, called the sons and the daughters of God. And who are those sons and who are those daughters that I speak of? They are you and they are me. We will rise up. There will be the manifestation and it will come forth. It is a prophetic act. It is a prophetic unction that is going to happen. Now, if you want to say amen along the night, you just feel free to do that, okay? Amen. You want to get your hanky out and say, thank you, Jesus. It's all good. Uh, it's a little how I was raised. All right. And get that tomorrow morning when you wake up. Being sons and daughters of God in your own skin. That's what God's been dealing with me about. Being a son, but here goes the thing. You get to be you. You don't get to be somebody else. You don't get to be a copy. And how many of us tried it that way? Well, if only I could be like that person. If only I could preach like that person on TV. If only if I could have notable miracles out of my ministry. If only if I could cook dinner and it tastes good. I mean, whatever it might be, you know? Uh, what does that look like? We get to be ourselves. And this is something that I've struggled with, contrary to what my people think, for many years. As one who was raised in the church, I thought, oh, it looks that way, smells that way, tastes that way, um, appears that way, and that must just be the way it is. But until I came into this house, somebody into this house, and there was a father. Come on. I wish I had an organ. Help me preach. Mm. 
until I came into this house, and there was a mother and a father who stood firm and went into the prophetic version of my future self. I'm already getting ahead of my notes. They saw the prophetic version of who I was just as God, through the corridor of what we call time, saw something in a daughter, saw something in a son. He's like, yep, that's who I'm going to do it through. Family, sons and daughters of the father, of papa, of daddy, of Abba God, right? Oh, we could just look at that all night and just get wrecked. That's good stuff right there. Being the sons and being the daughters. And when I was over there, out of all the missions trips, I started, I think I've shared this when I was 19 years old, started to travel to the nations of the world and thought I was doing it in a way that, well, this is the way you do it. But I found out very quickly, about nine years ago when we started to come here, that when you allow the Holy Spirit to go where no man or pastor can't go, and when you allow yourself to yield to the process, the process that he has each one of us on, the process where he says, where he keeps on keeping on, he says, I am not only in this for your best, but I am in this for the long haul, whatever that may look like. Right? I am in it with you. I know the past, present, and the future. Who was and is and is to come. The same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm in it for your best. Right? So what does that look like? It took a mom and it took a dad in this house. Pastor Brent, Pastor Suzanne, Pastor Russ, Pastor Susan. It took people who saw something just like we see in each other. Because what does love look like? Love will bear all things. It will hope all things. It will endure all things. Because the the word tells it, it, it will never fail. Love, the inception of love, of God is perfect love. Love can never fail itself. Love will always yield a win-win. It's never a win-lose. Oh, this is so good. All right. Now let's look at a church. The Imbarara Prophetic Conference. And this is where the Lord began to blow my mind, just like he wants to do with each one of us. And the awesome thing about it is it all looks different because God's not a limiting God. He's not, he's not kept in a box. Um, they tried to do that in the Old Testament for so long. They tried to keep the presence in. Couldn't do that. Didn't work. Right? We have direct access to the throne, direct access because of what Jesus did. Right? So taking us back to the Imbarara prophetic conference with wonderful pastors, Pastor Joseph Bataringaya. I love that guy. You ever feel when you go back somewhere and you feel like you're returning to family? You, that sense of you returning to home? That's what this felt like. There goes a blank screen. Go to the next one. And this was the company of sons and daughters who have yielded to the process of saying yes. These are pastors who came to feast upon all that the Holy Spirit had for them in this prophetic conference. 
Something that was really interesting is when we, when I begin to teach, or I think more of preach, because that's the style that I do it in, um, we all could feel, even at lunch and, and the mill breaks, we could feel the physical, tangible presence of the atmosphere shift. It was very notable. And it was sort of like scary in a way, but we know God was in it. We're like, whoa, did you feel that? We're like, yeah, we feel that. Something like the principality of the air almost was shifting. It was shifting. And God, would you do it here in America? Would you shift the principality of the air? Would you shift? Would you cause? Would you turn? Would you turn for the things that are going to produce life? The things that are going to be produced, uh, the destiny for this country? Because she will stand strong, right? And I got this great idea. I said, I have an iPhone. This is good. Maybe I should get a SIM card. I'm like, so I got a SIM card on their network. I'm like, we're going to use social media to its utmost. So I don't know if how many of you were able to get on some of that, but we did live videos, and we were connected to people th- literally throughout the world to s- see, to have a moment of what was happening in real time. Everybody say real time. Real time, real time in a place out in the middle of a banana plantation, with bananas all around, but the Holy Ghost showing up and doing something inside. Amen? Doing something inside and outward in a body of people. I could not give it out quick enough until they were just feasting, feasting, feasting. I couldn't keep up. Because the, the, the level of the hunger, the level of the thirst, I've never seen anything like it before. And these are pastors These are leaders of churches and of ministries who want to see the prophetic manifest and to lift up and to raise up a prophetic company of people that they know is going to happen. And here goes Pastor Joseph and his lovely wife and me in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that Mazungu. That white guy, right? And just the, uh, this the connection. The, it's more than a connection. It's this, this almost like Koenia fellowship type feeling that um, it's like I walked back in there after being gone for a year and picked up right where I left off. It was a very, very powerful moment. And they're like older brother, older sister, you know? Oh, this is good. Now let's go to the next one. This is a a kid, actually, maybe about 19 or 20 years old. And what was interesting with him is he was um, running the sound. He was playing the keyboard because all at the uh, beginning of every session was they did worship. That's just how it is. And so he's playing there, and he had a countenance on his face like he didn't want to be there. And how many of you might feel that sometimes? You're like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I could be home and having a snack. Uh, so, and, and so I just, I'm like, okay, you know, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, and it's all good. And uh, so then the next thing, uh, this was on the second day at the Imbarara Prophetic Conference. We have a time of prophetic activation, impartation, and release, because it's very important. So I'm, I'm, I'm down there. I told Brent this. I said, I, I'm still trying to process this. 
And the front is very limited. You can't put a whole bunch of people because of how they have the chairs configured. So we're bringing 10 people in at a time. So I can go down, lay hands like we're supposed to, pray for the impartation and the power of the Holy Spirit to do, to, to do what he wants to do. So the people are here, and, and I do that. And on the last group of 10 people, I go down, and I'm gonna, they brought him down so he can receive. Because he's been serving, right? I'm like, this is good. So I go down, and I walk by. Everybody say, I walk by. I walked by. I didn't pray. I didn't say anything. I didn't say hello. I walked to the other end of the line. And as I walk by, looking that way, I hear a commotion, and I turn, and the six people are down. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of these meetings. Right? That's what I said on the microphone. I said, it's going to be one of these meetings. And, and remember, there's no catches. There's no nothing. No nothing. Concrete floor, no carpet, no padding, no nothing. No catchers, no nothing. And I'm like, Jesus, let them, let them not be in a coma. Just let them be under your power. Because you don't know. You don't know. And, I mean, it was like a lightning rod came out of nowhere and dropped dead weight. It was crazy stuff. It was Actually, I was like, whoa, that's okay. That's real right there. That's some real stuff. So anyway, I'm en route to this guy. I finally get to the guy after like, oh my, oh my Lord. And I go over to the other side. And this kid is receiving. I don't know nothing about him. never seen him in my life. I would come to find out later what was going on with him. And he begins to sob. And he begins to well very loud, very like very notably loud. I'm like, whoa. And so I'm praying for him. Don't you, I'm not even touching him. That was the awesome thing. It's like God can meet you with his hand through somebody or without his hand. Okay? And I'm going, and he, he just down he goes. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, come on. Was, this is a process, right? And so I do that about three or four times. And then I take him. I said, I will have him. And like the father would do to any child. As a father would do to his son or his daughter, there is an embrace. And he begins to well deeper and deeper. And I said, and even as your own father in the natural never blessed or loved you, you're more than enough. And he welled deeper and deeper. This is not a beautiful cry. This is snot and tears and everything on me and God knows what else. And I have a handkerchief because they call it a preacher's rag in Africa. All the pastors believe you should have one because you sweat. Come on. You know, he, front row. It's a witness. I see that hanky. And, uh, and I said, here, here, you can, you, you can, just, you can have, have mine. And um, so he cleans up. And I begin to, pull, to call out the treasures in this kid. Turns out later on at lunch that Pastor Joseph was telling me this kid, what he just sort of came to the end of his rope, he was confused. He wasn't too sure. He thought God had forgotten him, just as his father had forgotten him. And so when you see not only the treasure, but the reality of who Jesus says you are, you call it out. You never will question it. 
Because how many times when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and we're like, I just don't know about that. And then the time and the moment passes and then we regret. I've been there more times than I can count, right? So there it was a impartation, not only with this young man, but with many others who received an impartation, not only of the Holy Spirit, as much and important as we put the emphasis on the person of the Holy Spirit, there is this thing called an embrace. It is an embrace like no other feeling that you will ever have. It is an infilling like nothing in the natural that could fill you up from the inside out. This is a realm. This is a person. This is an encounter. This is an experience where we all we pray about, we sing about, we ask about, we declare about, we decree about. Holy Spirit, will you feel me? Now, what does that look like? Are we ready to receive the infilling that he has always been wanting to give you and me? Are we ready to posture ourselves in a place where we can receive the fullness? I'm talking about a wholehearted fullness, not half-hearted, not a half-dimpty, bless me, Jesus, in the sweet by and by. I'm talking about the here and now, a now Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit who engages with us in fellowship with communion of the saints. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen? So the embrace... He's longing to embrace you and me. He's longing to embrace you and me. I'll just talk louder. He's longing to embrace those deep, deep areas where we've always wanted to have his embrace, but it's too uncomfortable, so we go settle for over here. When he's saying, hello, I'm over here. It's this thing called the fellowship. And as one who grew up in church, I'm like, well, that's a nice word. That's the buzzword to say it all and to have people clap and shout Shana Lababa and praise, praise the Lord and all that good stuff, right? That's Bill's saying. Anyway, um, the embrace. So for him to embrace us as a father does to his own, there's this hunger over there. There's a desire. One thing about this trip that was very interesting rather than the other trips were I'll normally will prepare, I'll go, I'll give everything that I have. And the interesting piece of this in both places in that Dale's church, they were preparing their hearts, they were preparing their souls, they were preparing their spirits, they were preparing their selves to receive what they had an expectation for. There was an anticipation at an all-time high that they were believing but expecting we can believe, but how many of us do we expect for it to really, really happen? So I want to challenge our hearts and our souls that it's time to keep believing, but it's time to take an intentional posture and a position to where we will expect it to happen. Because he, the lyrist goes on to keep on saying he's a good, good father. He's not a half-empty, absent father. He's not a father who what's in it for his good and he doesn't care about anything else. He's, he's a good, good father. Now, what does that look like? What is the goodness of our father? How does that manifest in our life? How does that look like to us daily? We can go to the nations. We could go to the nations of the world 
And yes, it's easy. I would say more times it's easier for them to receive and step right into it. But how much more in the Western world, how much more in the Americanized culture, if you will, that we find ourselves in, can we really believe God and take him at his word? That we can really believe God and say, God, I believe you, but I expect it. I expect what you said. It, I'm, we're going to see it. Tell your neighbor I'm, we're, you're going to see it. Amen. And even in that Pastor Joseph's church, they were like, we want more. We want more of the prophetic. We want the advanced training. We want a school of prophets. We want this and we want that. We want it this way and we want that. I said, I hear your heart. Let us see the fruit come from what has been sown. Let us see the fruit. And then we can talk. Let's see the fruit. Let us see the fruit. Amen. Ah, that's good stuff right there. Gonna continue to go. That's Pastor Avery. He was my translator. And um, my style is a little bit different than most. I like to preach, not teach, because I will go to sleep if I try to teach. And uh, so he kept right along with me. I'm like, man, you're good. He's like, yes. And uh, he, he's a very humble man. Pastor Brent has met him. And uh, I love that guy. He is awesome. He's just no agenda, just loves Jesus, just open to the Holy Spirit, right? It's amazing what can happen when we do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, touch. Rock Eye Prophetic Conference. Now, you have to remember, for those of you who may not know, um, Rock High is a district west of Kampala, the epicenter of where the AIDS virus originated in the late 80s, mid to late 80s to the early 90s, wiped out an entire generation. Let's see if Pastor Fred's not in this picture. Um, Pastor Fred Tachewa, who we have deep covenant relationship with, was raised in Rock High, went to school, college, but always had that burden to really reach the people of his district of Rakai. So for the last at least five or six years, we have been on this journey of covenant, of cultivated relationship, working with him and his ministry, Celebrate Hope Ministries, which is registered as an NGO in the nation of Uganda. And we have um, come alongside of him to bring the spiritual equipping, if you will, um, he has a huge ministry that is all about taking people out of poverty through a system of sustainable agriculture of growing coffee and then selling that, and to see them literally come out of poverty and live the life that he knows those people are to live. So ending the ending of a vicious cycle and seeing the kingdom of God become manifest, that's what it's all about, right? So we're one piece of it. We are, we're over here like... Yes, yes, we, yes, our hearts are yes. And so this is a church, which is very interesting. Um, Pastor Charles Musisi, he's the one from the left, one, two, three, four, over in the light-colored blue short sleeve. And he actually oversees a number of churches, so he is actually a bishop. And when I went there, what was interesting was I sat in his office, because they always take you to the office, you know, here and have something to eat and drink and God bless you type thing. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. 
And we begin to talk, and we begin to talk about the spiritual things and heritage, and we just talk about whatever before the meeting's going to start. And it turns out he, this church is an Assemblies of God church, which wouldn't turn most heads or my head, but that was my heritage of how I grew up. So we had sort of a common denominator. And so we begin to talk about it and talk about it. And then it's time for the meeting. So the people are there, about 40, 50 liters, and they put me up on the front to the side. I'm like, wonderful. And so I go there, and something, this, this is how we see the hand and the restorative work of God in somebody's life. This is just one of millions of examples, okay? What you don't know, and what I completely forgot about, is when I was a young kid in the Assemblies of God Church, it was great, and my parents were in ministry and wonderful, and then because of um, an adulterous affair, I've shared it before, we had to leave. We got kicked out of that church. So anything that I thought could have happened went bye-bye out the window. Crushed. Um, and I had always wondered from that point, I don't even think I've told Brent this, I've always wondered at that point, Gia, what would have happened if that never had happened? You ever ask yourself sometimes, if that never had happened, what would have happened? Would I have continued? Would I have gone to seminary? Would I have been ordained or licensed? Or these thoughts, right? So when I became a teenager, I forgot about that. It became preoccupied with life. Fast forward into that moment when they sit me in the chair. God's, I was like, I'm about to get up and minister in a church that happens to be affiliated with the families of God. Wow. Watch this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will have to take you and uproot you to half a way around the world, right? To remind you and show you, I haven't forgotten. Never forgot. It's important. It's that important to my heart. Even when I forgot. And everything, 35 years, fast forwards into one moment of time. The Holy Spirit's like, no, I never forgot. There was a healing in that moment, and I was up there having church all by myself. I'm like, that's a good word. People are looking at me like, oh, that's a mazunga, you sort of what he's doing. And um, really, they did that. Because they don't, they don't understand that. But the Holy Spirit understands that when he nudges you, when there is an unction, when there is something that you know that came from him into your spirit, and even if you forgot or if you thought it's dead and it's no good, I want to suggest to you that through the corridor of time, do not be surprised when he comes tapping on your heart and says, I never forgot. Because it is the true essence of what the prophetic is all about. It is about a restorative work. It is about the reminding, by the way, this is really who you are. It's who you've always been, it's who you are, and it was, this is who you will be. That's why in this house and the houses across the nations of the world, we pull out and we call out the treasures. And I, lo I love that guy. He was telling me that... Um, Actually, Pastor Fred had a tend to some business, so he would drop me off at these conferences. I'll see you in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, Pastor Fred, you be good, behave, you know, don't do anything crazy. And uh, 
which is really nice about the whole trip because Pastor Fred and I got to go deep. We got to talk about things and encourage each other, and we're like, just really go deep and cultivate and really refine uh, the existing relationship that we had. Those, it's those moments that matter as much as the power, the glory, and the miracles. When you have the one-on-one, ah, somebody in here is going to get that in a minute. The one-on-one is as, or I would say, even more important than the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Because what does it look like? It looks like I'm choosing to do it with family. How many know, and I told this myself, I'm like, my, I'm having church again by myself. I need an organ where I can have, I can intentionally and clearly say, I could do it 50 different ways. But if God chose to do something through family, how much more am I going to choose to do it through family? How much more is my heart going to be fully engaged, not only in the moment, but with family? And what does that look like? Because there's so many different dynamics of what that looks like. So I want you to begin to ponder and chew on, if you will, what does that look like? The anointing was scary. I told Pastor Brent that. I said, now let me explain my, my answer. I said, it was scary in the sense of it was divine chaos. Um, you know, and I was, I was, I knew the Lord was going to move very powerfully like he does here and like we see him move, but I did not realize the magnitude of how he was going to do it. And so, there, a lot of you came up to me and said, what did you think about the word that was given a few weeks ago before I left? And I got to talk with Steve McCree about that and what I th- thought that meant. And so, interestingly enough, <clears throat> in this church, there were not three people, but there were three spirits that decided to show up. I'm like, well, I've been waiting for you. Hello. Took you long enough. I actually said that. They didn't translate that part, though, but I I said it, actually. A religious spirit, a spirit of lethargy, and an old paradigm spirit came very strong, very, very strong. And I turned to my translator, Pastor Ken, who I love. I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. I said, yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So to my disbelief, and and it's it's not a, a, a a wrong thing, this is a full gospel church. This is a spirit-filled church. And these are pastors. We are training, I'm training pastors, not, not just anybody off the street. And so there's a certain expectation that I have. And so I ask, how many of you are thankful for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and that we can engage the person of the Holy Spirit on an everyday level? And I just got the most sterest, complete white look that I've ever gotten before. Like, they didn't know what I was talking about. I said, oh, we're about to have church again. I said, we have to do something about that. So without trying to read too much into it, I said, we, this is, I said, turn, and I actually had them engage each other. I said, turn to your neighbor and tell them you're not going to be the same after this. And believe it or not, they chose open-heartedly, wholeheartedly, without reservation to really take a step 
out and into, what does it look like to engage the person of the Holy Spirit? What does it look like to have something called communion and have fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit? And how much more here does it look like that for us? Even the ones, if I can use the word, who are seasoned with the Lord, or if you just came to know him the other day, how much more is he after our heart? Is he after the very things that he birthed and he wired in us? Because contrary to what you might think or believe, there are things that he has birthed and there are things that he has wired in you and in me and they will come to pass. These are things that are tied to our dreams. These are things that are tied to our aspirations, to why we were created, what we are destined for, what we are purposed for. It's all about your destiny. It's all about your purpose of why you were created as a son and as a daughter of the king who gets to be yourself in your own skin. The raw power, I have to speed it up, the raw power, what does the raw power look like? The raw power, now what's funny about the water break, see I put that up to my mouth, is that we did a lot of that because you're preaching in hot heat and you just have to keep, you know, beverages and all that kind of stuff. And so my translator and I were like, water break? We're like, yeah. And so we would cheers and down we go. And so everybody started to do that. And it was sort of a funny moment. You sort of had to be there. But um, <clears throat> everybody was thirsty. And you had to drink some. Turn to your neighbor and say, how thirsty are you? Like Sprite slogan says, obey your thirst. Come on. Yeah. So we have people come down the front, and this is a smaller church. And I go down, and I begin to impart into people. I begin to impart into people. And, and these are pastors, so I, I pray for the first guy. And he's receiving them like, this is a wonderful thing. And, and so I go down. I'm, four down, I'm four people down. And I have somebody follow me because you just don't know what's going to happen in those types of things. And I'm praying for this guy when out of nowhere, out of my peripheral vision, I see like an invisible divine lightning rod smack this guy and down he goes on a concrete floor with no catcher. But in the process of him doing that, he goes down and he hits the back of his head on a wood pew and it makes a huge smack crack... uh, Snap, crackle, and pop sound. And I looked at Fred, and he looked at me, and we were like, oh, Jesus, we need to look for blood, because he hit that hard. So Fred and I, Pastor Fred and I, now we're like in a freaked out panic mode that this guy is going to need medical attention, and we're, we're looking for a child of blood. And this guy's out cold. I'm like, Jesus, no, no coma. Let it just be under the power. No coma. And... He, 10 minutes passed. That's a long time. He comes to, like, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, why are you yelling at me? I said, your head. He's like, what about my head? And then he goes on to explain to Fred and I, he said, you don't understand. Jesus just came to me. And he begins to tell us how Jesus came and how he said that he was more than enough. 
and that he would never leave him, he would never, that he was his best friend. So what we thought was a crisis actually turned out to be a holy moment, a holy encounter where he did not feel the impact in the physical, but he felt the impact in the spirit. There was something when we preach and when we declare a heaven on earth moment, heaven on earth has to look like something. It cannot remain in a song. It can not remain in sermon notes. It can not remain in our thoughts, and we hope that it will happen sometime here and here. We put an expectancy, we put an anticipation on the kingdom looking like something. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So there's an activity going on that we know is going to manifest. And I encourage myself and you, we need to begin to expect that to become our normal. It must become our normal because if we limit it to how it's going to look here and it can only sound a certain way and if it sounds this way, then it's really not that way. When heaven shows up, I don't know if there's a rule book. I don't think there is. We can help pastor that of what that looks like, so it's kingdom building and, and, and life affirming. But I'm just, that was for free. That's not even my notes. And Rockeye has a huge problem with false prophets, more than I could even think. More than I can even think. It has a huge problem. Fred, Pastor Fred decides to show up to the end of my second day of my conference, and Pastor Charles looks at me and he's like, we have heard this man. We've heard this, what they call, they, they call me a prophet. I'm like, please don't do that. We've heard this prophet, and what he says is not false. What he says is true, because there's been so many misleading and false teachings in that region. But how many are thank you when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and you follow scripturally that the word is rightly divided by the truth of God and you unpack it in a way where people can see, the, uh, the pastors can see, I can see this. I can see myself prophesying. It is not the old paradigm where the prophet speaks and we be quiet. This is a New Testament covenant where Jesus comes on the scene and where God decides, I'm going to do it through a people. They're going to be called sons and daughters who are restored with the precious price back to myself. Right? We have to hear you up. Okay, here we go. I love this verse. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and his glorious inheritance. Moving on. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. So he repeats. There's a, a phrase of importance. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king, and the king. Something's going to happen. A glory is going to come in. He's going to invade. He's going to show up when you don't want him to show up. He's going to uh, do things that are going to take us from here and take us to there. He's going to take us to a place where he's like, oh, this is part of your destiny. Let me show you what that looks like. 
Amen? He's going to take us to this place. So I want to declare something that the Lord is strong and mighty. He says to lift up your heads. Well, well that's nice. Well, that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because I need to know what it looks like. We are his sons. Say, I am, if you're a daughter, say a daughter. If you're a son, say a son. I am a son. I'm a daughter, okay? You are the redeemed of the Lord. Come on. You are his full inheritance. That sounds like a familiar uh, sermon preached in this house. You are his full inheritance. And this is what God was dealing with me the other day. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to say he's going there. In light of the recent political campaign and the presidential elections, something has had a big effect on you and I, whether we think it did or it didn't. There has been this spirit that has come and enamored us on all sides, whether we agreed with certain things or did not agree with certain things. And on many, even people I know, it's had an adverse effect. People getting sick, people just sort of being weighed down by this spirit because it's a political spirit. But the last time, the last time I read my Bible, a donkey was not nailed to a cross, nor was an elephant up on the cross, but there was somebody, somebody who was the perfect lamb, slain before the foundations of the world. Revelation 13, 8 tells us that. He was a perfect he was without blemish. He was without sin. He was without any of these things. He was a perfect sacrifice. The sacrifice that said, you know what? Through the corridor of time, I can see some sons, and I can see some daughters, and I will rightfully, I will gladly stay and take the place. I will stand, I will be nailed, I will be crucified in that place. And what's interesting is that there are keys in the equation because we know when he was, uh, when he was uh, crucified and he was put in the tomb that he went to. Everybody say he went to. We're talking about Jesus here. He went to Hades and he took. He took possession of. He had the ultimate say of death, hell, and the grave. So he holds the keys. He is the one who possesses the keys. He is the one who possesses the power. He took the keys. So when we say, if the same spirit be in Christ that raised him from the dead, how much can the same spirit be in our bodies to quicken us? Amen? He's the perfect lamb. That's why the king is always seated on the throne. The king doesn't get up and go do something. The king is seated with splendor, with royalty, with authority, and all these things. You are the head and not the tail. Somebody. You are above and not beneath. You are the dream achievers. Uh, you're not talking to me. You are the dream achievers, not the dream failures. You are the aspirations, the, the passions, and how we're wild. We're all going to come to pass. Amen? It's going to manifest through your lives. It's going to manifest in my life because we will see the fruition of it. There is this fruition. There is a manifestation that's going to come, and it's not going to die halfway through. We read in Ezekiel 37. Now I'm really going down a rabbit trail where there was some bones, and it looked only one way, but then there goes the prophet. And remember, we're not even in the new covenant. This is old covenant, right? We're in... 
And then the Lord commands, and here comes the breath from the north, the west, the south, and the east. And he comes, and he prophesies as the Lord commands him. May I suggest to you that there's some breath that is going to be released through a prophetic utterance and a prophetic unction that is going to release you into what God has called way back then before the foundations of the world that is going to put you in divine alignment with why you were created as the sons and the daughters of the king in your own skin. Somebody. Somebody. That's why we declare hope is rising. Hashtag hope is rising. Hope is rising and our future, this is the point. Doug Addison, I think, talks about this, and I love that guy. Your future is waiting to meet you. It is time for you and I to start running to meet our future version of ourselves. Our future version of ourselves. Because if God knows the past, the present, and the future, if he was and is and is to come. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's the one who has looked down through the corridor of time and the Holy Spirit has already been to who we are. Because thank you, Jesus, that he does not see us as we are, but he sees us as a people. He sees us as sons. He sees us as daughters who are over here and saying, this is what you look like. This is who you are. This is the best version of who you are. This is the life of firm manifestation of who you are. That's why we prophesy. That's why we call out the dreams. That's why we call these things forth because it is the reflection and the true heart of a God that we serve. And his name is Papa. His name is Abba. His name is Father. And we need to position ourselves moreover and moreover to where we can say, embrace me. Embrace me. Embrace me. Embrace me with a love and embrace me in a way that you've never embraced me before because there is this embrace. Just when we think we have it all together and we're like, oh, that's, that's good. That's the full embrace of the Lord. No, 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 no. He's saying, come on, go, 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 go. There's more, 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 more of the embrace. It's this covenant of relationship that is not a hands-off type of relationship. This is the most fullest hands-on relationship of fellowship, of love, of intimacy, of all those things where we hear his heart and he hears our heart. Somebody, that's a good place to shout hallelujah, by the way, right? And, and so we have to remain in the place of the truth, remaining in the place of saying and believing how good that he is. So when we come into this house or any house and we declare he is a good, good father, that's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. It is a declaration that is emulating out of our heart of who he is. This thing is all about the spirit of truth. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Come on. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. How much, it's a nice thing I used to say all the time. I'm like, well, I'm, now I'm bored of saying it. What's it look like? Come on. Okay, let's show and tell, okay? What's it look like? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we go to these nations and there are so many people, pastors, leaders, people, who, sons and daughters who have a heart for Jesus, who have a heart for him, that are wanting him like never before, there is, it's a powerful, powerful thing. 
Because it has to look like something. Shake your neighbor up, especially if they're sleeping, and say, it has to look like something. Come on. Water break. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Right, real quick, Pastor Dales. Remember, he was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect lamb. Perfect lamb. Word of Life Community Church at Pastor Dale Menwaji's church in a slum. Pastor Brent's been there. He pastors a church in the slums of Kosovo, which is a village in the capital of Kampala. And I love that guy so much, and that's why I said, I told him, I said, I do not want to be your guy who preaches for you and then leaves and go has lunch. I'm not interested in that. I said, I'm interested in something called family covenant and relationship and cultivating and exploring together. What does that look like? And it was like there was this sigh of relief. He's like, that's what I've been wanting all along. And on this trip, he and I got to intentionally go deep together to really hear his heart and, and what the Lord is doing and not just about the vision of the ministry and stuff like that, but really him and where he's at and, and how the Lord is in, uh, just um, doing things greatly and mightily. So this theme of deeper covenant and cultivating relationship, this was on the first, the front end of my trip. This is before these conferences. Six to eight meetings in two days with this guy. Not for the sake of having meetings and having big numbers, because we're not, we're not about that. And I told him before I went, I said, I think we should have a revival service on Sunday night. I said, not to impose, but I really feel that strong. He says, okay. He says, we normally don't do Sunday services. And I'm like, I know I normally won't do Sunday night services either. So we decided to do that. I preached for him two times on Sunday morning, and it was powerful, and we had to limit it because we had the time restraints. And then there was this, this break in between. And so here comes a 5 o'clock p.m. revival service in the slums in the middle of nowhere in Kampala, and what does that look like? You know, when you pour and you pour yourself out, you can tend to get a little bit tired. Say, Jesus, you must sustain me. This is, this is about you. I've only seen it a couple times in my life, but in this service, this is a service you didn't want to end. We were already five hours into the service. You didn't want the service to end. This service could have kept going on and on and on and on and on. This is a service where I saw all nine gifts of the Spirit in full operation. I'm like, my God. I mean, I was just enamored with that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Normally, I might at the most see maybe half of that. And this is where it got really good. I knew the Lord wanted to heal. I'm like, okay, this is good. And I said, Lord, you know that might take a while uh, (laughs) um, because we packed that place out. We're talking about 500 people. And who knows what that looks like. These are some of the healings because a lot of you have asked me, well, what happened on the trip and what did the Lord do and stuff like that? I'm like, well, I'll tell you about it, okay? Just wait. Um, Notable miracles. Bill Hernandez told me, I just really believe the Lord's going gonna, gonna to show up with signs and wonder mills. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. Yeah, amen. And, um, and, and so what happened? 
I had young people to old people coming up. They formed healing lines when I was ministering. I didn't ask them to do that. They just did it. I'm like, well, that's a miracle in itself. Uh, stomach aches, renal kidney failure, congestive heart failure, back pain, slipped disc, breast cancer, breast tumor, brain tumor, migraine headaches, tuberculosis, lung disease, malaria, some other life-threatening diseases that I can't even pronounce, broken hearts, empty hearts, and people who have never experienced the Father's love ever. Right? Okay? And so what was interesting in that, in the middle, this, this girl comes up. She must be 22, 23 years old. And I know she wasn't possessed because she loved Jesus. I'm like, this is an oppression issue. She comes up and she says, I need prayer for such and such. And then it's full on demon manifestation. And everybody freaks out. The pastor freaks out. Everybody freaks out. And I, what was interesting is I already knew that was coming by a word of knowledge. I said, nice for you to join us. I was wondering what took you so long. I said that to that demon. And, um, and we're talking about, not to focus too much, but the, you know, for some of us have might seen these certain things. And the interesting thing about this was, this was the most bizarre physical manifestation of a demonic oppression spirit that I've ever seen before. And I had two guys standing behind people when I ministered, because you just don't know what happens. And I said, you're going to have to hold her down because she's going to hurt somebody. You're going to have to hold her, physically hold her with all your power. And this person was welling and screaming and gnashing and all these things, all these different verbs and adjectives that you hear. This girl was doing it. And something look through the corridor of time, literally, prophetically, and it's like, she just wants to be free. This is what this has always been about. She wants to taste just a drop. I'm like, well, Jesus, you're going to pour out the, the, the rivers, the rivers. And in situations, what do you do? I said, everybody, just relax and breathe. Just relax and breathe. And I said, turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. And I had them turn to their neighbor and say, it's all good especially when you have demon manifestation right in front of you, maybe like two feet away. And I said, listen, listen, listen to me. I said, not the demon. I said, listen. And I called her by name. I said, let me tell you something. This is who you are. And I began to recite what heaven has long ago established who she was. I said, this is the night where you come home. This is tonight where you return home. This is tonight by something we call the original design of God. This is where you come back home. And you will never be the same. And that made the demon even angrier. Right? And I said, now you're going to have to stand her up and really hold her because now it's time for Mr. Demon to leave. He cannot coexist where the spirit lives. And so I begin through a process to release that, the the grip and the hold that was over that girl. And it's interesting because many times I'll see this. I'll, these, I'll see this thing happen. And before you know it, just, she just drops. She drops. She's fatigued. She's tired, this whole thing. 
And when she arises, she's a completely different person. Physically, countenance, everything. Because of the good, good father, that's who he is. That's who he is. And we're loved by him. I'm going to close with this. Sunday, the day that continued on and on and on and on and on, that I thought would never end. Between meetings, Pastor Dale gets this great idea. He's like, we should go buy a box of water. I'm like, that's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea. I don't know why we're going by water. We already have water, but he wants to go buy more water. I said, this could be a, a prophetic sign. So we go buy water. And we stop, and here is this guy that Pastor Dale knows. He said, this is where to, he, this guy's so busy, I never run into him. He's too busy. I never run into this guy. I'm like, well, this is good. This is, you know, maybe the Lord wants to do something. So this guy is an attorney. This, this, is, this is being told to me as I'm sitting in the car minding my own business. This is an attorney, and he oversees the chapel every week for the parliament in the state building. I'm like, oh, and so here goes Dale, all this full of wonder and great things. Like, this is the prophet from America, and he says the, the, the word in his mouth. I'm, blah. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to be one of these afternoons. And uh, so it turns out this guy owns the largest Christian broadcasting network in Uganda and says, you know, I've been praying and asking God to send somebody with a prophetic voice to release a mandate on live television. I'm like, oh, I said, well, that's, oh, yeah. I said, oh, man, oh, yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, all that good stuff, you know. You know I'm not thinking about anything. He said, uh, when do you leave? I'm like, well, I'm going out to the bush, and we're going to empower leaders and do all this kind of stuff. He said, you need to release it. I said, okay. I said, well, I'll be open to discussing that with you since I don't have a relationship with you. I don't know who you are. I just need to make sure your heart's right. And I tell people the way it is, right? Because we have to do it. We operate out of a basis of family and covenant, not what can look good or for any agenda contrary to what kingdom looks like, right? So we blessed each other and all that good stuff. And then Pastor Dale says, well, you know who lives up the street from us in our church? I'm like, no, I don't, but I'm, I think you're about to tell me anyway. He says, the former prime minister. He says, you saw that barbed wire? I'm like, yeah, I did notice that. He's like, That's, he lives there. He says, I think you should meet with him because he is a born-again, spiritual Christian, and his dad was used to usher in the East African revival, which was huge in Africa. I'm like, I said, okay, so we're talking about heritage here. He's like, yeah. And so I'm texting Brent and Suzanne. I'm like, pray, because I might go meet this guy and thank Jesus I brought a suit and a tie and I can look, you know, whatever. So it turns out the guy, was not, he's out of the country, so I, I'm not going to be able to meet with him. So then the interesting thing, uh, my point being made of what this can look like, is that later on the day, the guy who we ran into, who's the attorney and does all these other things, called Dale and said, you know, I just got off the phone with contacts in the current prime minister and the current office of the president. And I told him about your friend. And they want to meet with him next time he comes. Wow. To hear counsel. 
of what God wants to say to the nation. All right? And so they asked, well, would you be open to that? I'm like, I would be open to see what that looks like. So, one, if that's supposed to happen, pray, because that can be an inroad to only the Lord knows. These are things I, I would never ask for. But because out of a heart that came back nine years ago, and even in a place of very feeling uncomfortable, when a mo- mother and father saw something in a son, I'm like, yeah, we're going to pull that treasure out. It's because of moments like that and the yes of the yielding to the Holy Spirit that I can stand in a foreign land and have people say, would you be willing to meet with a head of state? Not only is it my yes in his spirit, but it goes, now I get to go down the steps, feel like I'm on TV, where I can say to this guy, it was because of his yes. And it was because of the mother of the house, yes. And it was because of the yes of my wife. How many times when I'm trying to process things and I frustrate myself and I end up frustrating her and, you know, the neighborhood and the animals and everything. And uh, for even my wife to say, you know what, it's okay, you know you're supposed to do it. That's a word of wisdom right there. For you who are not married, you'll get that later on. <laughs> this saying, it's really good stuff. But those things, it's, it's in those times, especially in the times, you know, I think there's this misconception and this uh, pre, preconceived notion or idea that anybody who gets up here has it all together. And I want to bring truth to that, that that's the furthest from the truth. We are in process just like all of us. We continue to say, I might not understand this right now, but I know that I know you're in it for my best, and you are a God that loves me just where I'm at. And because of that, go where you want to go. Do what you want to do in me. It's in those moments that we can continue to say yes. And I'll be honest, there's times, even more recently, I'm like, I don't like how that feels. I don't like how it feels. And I will, not in an angry way, but I will very directly, I will dialogue with God. I'm like, God, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do something. You're going to have to show me in a way where maybe I would not get it in ways most people get it. Show me. Take me on the journey deeper and deeper because it's of a heart that says yes. Now, right here is a good place to look at ourselves as sons and daughters. Not only do, is this thing about knowing who we are, but more importantly, it's knowing whose we are. We have this royalty that is ingrained in our DNA. We are born into the win-win situation. You will never have an equation where it's a win-lose. When you are looking at the love of the Father, when you're looking at the embrace that he does not all, he doesn't want us to make it a visitation. He, this thing is about habitation. A big difference between visitation and habitation. Visit, we can come and go as we please, and it can feel good, and we can do whatever we want to do with it. A habitation is laying everything down. It is going the extra mile. It is going the far distance, because no height and depth or no width can outgo 
where the love of God, the love of God can go anywhere. I think even it says somewhere down in Psalms, even if you were to make your bed in hell, that he's with you. So how wide is this question that I put out to you and how deep and how, and how uh, the breadth of it, if you will, is his love for you? What does that look like? What does it look like for a son or a daughter of the king who gets to be yourself in your own skin? What does that look like? What, ask him, what does that look like? And even through this week, ask him, especially as we go into these holiday seasons, these holidays coming up, Lord, what does that look like? What does your restorative hand look like in my life? What does your restorative hand look like in my family? What does restoration look like to my dreams? What does a complete and full heart look like in my future? And I want to declare something. This is my second closing. That I know in my knower that I know through the, not only the unction of the Holy Spirit, but in my spirit that if not all the nations of the world, most of the nations are going to experience the DNA that we carry. Because there is a thirst and there is a hunger from people who are called sons and daughters. Some of them might be believers and some of them might still be what we call pre-believers. But they're the sons and they're the daughters that are a creative expression out of what God created. Amen? And that they are going, there's going to be a footprint. I see it as very clear. And I, do, I want to release and establish it that there is going to be a footprint of the DNA that we carry as the invitations come because they will come. We want what you have. Show us the way. Show us the way of the kingdom. Show us the way of what a father's love looks like. What it feels like. How to cultivate that. How to pastor that in cultures and in different bodies around the world. It's coming. It's just a matter of time when. So I want to release that, that the nations are groaning. They're crying out for something and in this case, someone. It is the sons and daughters that are rising. We are in a position of rising like never before. And we are going to rise. We are going to rise. Ah, you didn't get that one. We are going to rise. We, you and I are going to rise. Even if you're tired of coming and hearing the love gospel message. Because I, I saw that earlier today. I'm like... There's so many people of us who are like, it's, it's the same thing, and I don't know, and I should have stopped coming, and my God, and I don't, I don't know, and Lord, and just help me in spirit, all that kind of stuff. This is a now word, guys. This is where we step into the full potential, the full capacity in that moment of what it looks like to be the engaged son and to be the engaged daughter of a king, his king his kingdom ways, his kingdom royalty, but we get to do it in a way where we get to be ourselves. We get to do it in a way where we get to be our own selves, in our own skin. And I had to learn a different route from Pastor Brent saying, I'm going to stay the course with Joel, and I'm going to help pastor that 
and help mentor that because he saw the promise. Just like the Father sees the promise in each one of us, he will never, ever, ever take his hand off you. He will never, ever, ever, ever to walk away. He's like, no, thank you. Because we were the joy. We were the joy set before him. So Jesus, I thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you want to do. And right now, Holy Spirit, I'm declaring a fresh move in this place. Fresh with a delible impression. Fresh, Holy Spirit, that only you, the person, can bring. Only you, the person, can give. Holy Spirit, we give you full access. Give him permission right now. Full access, God, into the areas, into the confines, into the depths, into the heights, into these areas of our heart where you've been wanting to go. Even in the light of where this nation has been, we declare, God, that there is a freedom coming, not only in that arena, Lord God, but there is a freedom coming to us. There's a freedom that is going to expand. There's a freedom that's going to take deeper roots. It's going to be groomed. It's going to be grounded with only the ways and only the, the different uh, nuances, if you will, of how you can do it, Holy Spirit. So I release, I release right now in this place, I release, Holy Spirit, what you want to do. I release your agenda. I release your platform. I release your heart. I release your spirit, the full administration of the Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the mantle of healing that comes to rest on this habitation called Blazing Fire. I thank you, Lord, that you want to come and you want to meet people right where they're at, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, even psychologically, Lord God. I thank you for the together, as we come together, Lord, this healing that is going to look complete. By your original design, I establish it in this house. I establish it in each heart, each spirit, and each soul. Because, Lord, even as you spoke to my heart a couple days ago, this whole thing is about now is the time where our souls are going to take a back seat and our spirits are going to take a front seat and we are going to live our lives from that place. We, our spirits, are going to be the one to run to the future, to run to the prophetic future of what we see, of what actually you see, Lord. You see us whole. You see us together. You see us in alignment. You see us as a prophetic company that you have raised up and will continue to raise up. And we thank you, Father. So right now, if you haven't got your kids, that'd be a good time to go already do it. But Father, right now we thank you that you want to do what you showed me halfway around the world exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. You want to blow our minds. You want us to take the level of our expectation with anticipation to an all-time high. Father, I'm asking you right now, would you begin to... Uh, tear down the different, even ideologies and things that have come to substitute or to take place of what your real heart looks like. The things that we've been told or the, the ideas that we grew up with that do not reflect the true values of the kingdom of your heart. Father, I 
break the hold and the power and the grip that it's had on your people for so long ago. And now I prophetically release you into who you are to be as sons and as daughters who no longer stand by the table, but now are pulling up the chair and are seated in a posture and place of rest. A place and posture of rest where we get to be sons and daughters from that place, partaking of the feast that you have lavishly put out before each one of us. We are yours. We are your sons and we are your daughters and that's just the way it is. So Father, we thank you right now. I want to invite you. I want to go after healing tonight. I don't know what that all looks like, but I want to go after it. If you need any type of healing, ranging from physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it might be, I want to meet you down front. If, and we're going to have prayer teams. We're going to have, uh, Bill, you can help me out, please. Father, we just thank you right now. If that's your way, just make your way forward. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you want to complete some things. I even see in the heavenlies this metaphor of there's some equations that have not been solved, and you want to bring the final answer. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you want to do, where you want to go. Hey, Jesus, we thank you. Right now, I just want to invite you. If you how many of you need a physical touch in your body right now? Stand. That's a good time to stand right where you're at and come forward. Wouldn't believe with you. The same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, just make your way across, just sort of disperse across. The same Holy Spirit that I saw in Uganda that blew my mind, because I knew he was going to do some powerful things, is the same blessed, the same amazing Holy Spirit who can do exceedingly abundantly above what we can all ask or think. So Jesus, we thank you right now. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your promise because it's all about the promise. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, right now in Jesus' name.